0: You are imperfect, permanently and inevitably flawed, and you are beautiful. Amy Bloom Bending Not Breaking, The Dragon Prince Edition Episode 5, An Empty Throne Hello and welcome back to episode 5 of Bending Not Breaking, the Dragon Prince edition. If you're here for the Dragon Prince, thank you for listening, and boy, do we have a cool surprise for you today. But first, let me tell you that we do have three seasons on Avatar The Last Airbender with also special guests including authors, voice actors, mental health professionals, and more. And if you like these episodes of the Dragon Prince, I hope that you'll check those out as well. And don't forget that we also have... The Legend of Korra coming after this season of The Dragon Prince. And we would love for you to stop by for those. If you liked getting episodes about The Dragon Prince, give us some feedback. You can give us at all the socials, bnb underscore pod. And let us know if you like these episodes. We might continue. That's the goal. We want to. uh, But we also want to hear from you to make sure that you're enjoying them. Okay, enough of that, because we have a special, really incredible guest that I want to welcome and I want you all to meet. So joining us today, we have... V. Jason Simpson, a voice of many beloved characters across many platforms and genres, but you all may know him best as the voice of Viren. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: Thank you, Ben. It is a great pleasure to be here. I am doing very well. Uh, it's an honor to be a part of this. Um, the moment you uh, described to me what you were doing with this podcast, I was uh, you know, immediately intrigued and... Um, I'm very happy to be here. So thanks for having me.
0: Yes. I'm, I'm like the the pleasure. I, you know, there's the phrase, the pleasure is all mine. Sure. I'm like, I, I, I've I stopped saying that because I'm like, no, it's not all mine. We both can have pleasure, right? Absolutely. This is okay. This is a cool thing. Yeah. But um, so I'm not going to say the pleasure is all mine, even though that was what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, instead, I'm saying the pleasure is all ours. So yeah. do me a favor and like, just tell us about yourself. Like what, what's something that you love? What's something you don't love? How did you get to where you are today. You don't have to give us the whole life story, but you know, sure. what are some, what are some big points?
1: Uh, well, I, I grew up in a, a small prairie town in Canada. Wanted to be an actor from a very, very early age. And my parents uh, really um, supported me through that. Uh, there's really, that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. So I was in a lot of drama. I was in a lot of theater in school, went right into university and uh, film school. And, you know, I've been a professional for about 20 years. It's literally the only thing I've ever wanted to do. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I have a wife who is uh, in a, is a medical professional, so she keeps me very grounded. Um, two children who are uh, just amazing human beings and uh, frustrating because they're teenagers and uh, just... Great people, so uh, my life is full of uh, a lot of joy. So I have to be thankful for that every day. Um, and lo- things I love. Oh man, I love dogs.
0: Yes, that's yeah. awesome. I love dogs too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you have any? What's your you what's know your what? dog status? I we did. We had mm-hmm. uh, we had two Labradors. They were sisters, a black and a chocolate. Got them when they were, I'm not sure, 10, 10 weeks old back in 05. Uh, Um, We said goodbye to one of them in uh, 2017 and said goodbye to the the other, our chocolate, in uh, 2019. So uh, long, full lives with them, and I miss them every day still, but uh, wow, they just make life so wonderful.
0: They do. It's very enriching. We talked about... Actually, on a previous episode of the Dragon Prince on the podcast, we were talking about our, our love for pets and how <laughs> yeah. how like we we choose loving pets even though they can hurt us. Like when they when they go and when they leave, and yes. it's just we voluntarily choose to to give and care give for these these pets that just drain
1: us of our resources. <laughs> it's it's very very true, and they they give so much back that they don't necess- they don't know they do. Um, but it's so, I don't want to jump the gun here, but, um, the, my definition of, of, uh, you know what? I'll talk about this later. Okay. (laughs) I'll give you the opportunity.
0: (laughs) It'll work. Yeah, it will. So so I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question before we move on, but what's, what's a question that you wish more people asked you? I'm sure you've been in so many interviews and comic cons and things like that, but like, what's a question you
1: wish people would ask you more often? When is season four coming out? <laughs> You've never heard that before. I'm so impressed. Can <laughs> you imagine if I'd never been asked that question? Wow. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's a very good question. Um, you know, I've never been asked about... Uh, never really directly asked about my connection. If we're talking about the show... Uh, I've never been asked about the connection to the character. Um, I've said it lots. I've talked about how, you know, I went in and not able... I I didn't want to judge the character. There's a lot to judge. Um, But you've got to approach the character without judging uh, because then you don't have a full... You don't have a full uh, development of that character, full understanding. Um. I I I haven't asked, you know, what are the what are the correlations and how do how do Viren and I how are we similar and but wh- where does it where does the character come from in me? Um I know that sounds like a weird thing to want to be asked, but I love nah, talking about that stuff that. because um people love to hate Viran. Um he's it's, a ba- he's a bad easy. guy. It's easy to hate yeah. him. <laughs> he's a bad guy, but he I started off talking about well you know he's he's a human being guys and he's uh, he's not black and white he's gray and there's uh but as the seasons went on there's a he just got worse it and it, worse. Got, <laughs> it got worse and worse so uh I've I've got to find some way to still keep that connection and still keep him truthful when even yeah. I didn't know what was coming mm-hmm. I would get a script and go Oh boy. Okay. How do I, how do I do this? So
0: it's pretty phenomenal to think of one of the things I love about this series, Avatar, there are several other ones as well, but even the villains are just, and I I say that as Viren being the villain here, (laughs) but I, I, I think that even the villains are so grounded in something that people can buy into it's right. a very human uh, thing that they're striving for and i think that's so true with fearin and i like i admire that you try to connect that because i imagine that is what makes you do such a phenomenal job in the recording booth
1: well i appreciate that i think it's what's most important for me is that people people always that we as the viewers give the characters a chance um, mm-hmm. or that we see the depths of them. We don't have to do exegetical studies on a character to to figure out. We just want to be able to to go a little deeper with them so we can understand where this character is coming from. It does not justify their actions or their words. It does not uh, make those things okay. And yes. at the end of that, we, cannot, we can look into it and go, no, it's just those are bad intentions, and there's no integrity there, or the moral mm-hmm. compass is spinning around madly. But if we give them a bit of a look we might see something on the human level. There's got to be something there.
0: Yeah so yeah I think it's pretty fascinating because one of the we have two themes kind of running on this podcast that we venture back to pretty regularly. One is making the most generous assumption of people like yeah. what is the hypothesis of generosity right nice. What is the most compelling reason why they would do this? And then, two, we can hold people accountable and be empathetic at the same time. We can empathize and have compassion for the reasons behind why characters do things, sure, and still make choices to hold them accountable. Which is really hard for people, apparently. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I say apparently, like, yeah, it's hard for me
1: even, but it's 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 challenging. Judgment. And ignorance, and I speak for myself completely and only here, um, are so easy to it's that's such such an easy go to. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna judge what I see. I'm gonna be ignorant to what might be going on underneath, even though in our own lives we can we can fight against that. like please see me for what I really am, not for what I just said or did. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean that I've actually got something deeper going on, but I can so so quickly. Uh, throw that aside and just start judging and being ignorant. Um, and it's no Absolutely. different for these these characters that are written so well. Um, yes. A person's not going to watch and go, oh, you know what, Jason was right. Viren really is such a lovable guy and he's really got great. <laughs> no, there's, you don't have to do that. But it's nice to, I think a person will enjoy a show even more when we're able to, you know, plumb those depths yeah. a little, even a little bit. Absolutely. And I think that's what I, I
0: love about this episode. This episode is chock full of witnessing just this verbal sparring and like this, yeah. like how do I get through and get around these situations between between all the characters? And I, I just, there's a lot of beauty, if you will, in in all of that. And I'm, I'm excited and I say that somewhat uh, with extra emphasis because that's our lens today. And we both had this opportunity to watch this episode through a lens of beauty. Mm-hmm. And so we now have this beautiful <laughs> opportunity to talk about beauty in a way that helps our listeners. Like what is, what is beauty? And when we watch this episode, what were we kind of looking for? So if you don't mind, I'm going to share a quick little story about me regarding beauty. And then I'd love to hear um, a little anecdote about your yeah, lens do. of beauty. Please do. So, for me, like we kind of grew up hearing the this you know adage that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and you know I I like that concept, and it and it tells me that what I might see as beautiful doesn't necessarily transfer to someone else as beautiful, and I think that's really important because when I was younger, that didn't the I, like I heard that, but I didn't really hear it, and the reason I say that is because. I had all the friends in elementary school. And then when it got to middle school and high school, that went like, pew, and it was a sharp decline. And the, the reason is, and I get this, there's a lot of reasons, but I'm attributing one reason, if you will, to the fact that I I never saw beauty the same way that my peers did. So when I was in uh, conversations with my my buddies and they would be like, oh man, she's really beautiful. I'd be like mm, I don't I don't see it and I wouldn't say that I'd be like yeah I, I, totally but I I didn't quite see it and so like I was like what's going on and so I actually went started researching like hormone levels and like do I have an appropriate amount of testosterone and like how do I measure that and I was like calibrating what I should see as beautiful compared to what like I literally didn't see as beautiful and like even with my my female friends when they would say man he's really beautiful, she's really beautiful. And no matter what, I would be like, "Ah, I don't see it. It's and it's not that I didn't find people beautiful. It's that the, the quote, standard of beauty was not something that I ever kind of bought into. And what that manifested was me feeling really alone and me feeling really out of place. And questioning my sexuality. And there was a lot of things that were that I was grappling with because of beauty standards that were culturally placed upon me. And so I'm really interested in exploring that, but also kind of exploring like, my inner gremlins around this, this grapple that I'm having with this beauty concept. And so that's something that I'm interested in paying attention to as I look through this, this episode. And I don't know that I, took notes specifically on those, but I think that's an interesting thing to think about as I, as I think about beauty. But mm-hmm. what about you? Tell me what's, what's going on in your head when you think of beauty, what what are you thinking about? <clears throat>
1: um, well, when you asked me to, to think about this, um, only one thing comes to mind and it's only been, it's been the one thing that's only ever come to mind when I've thought of beauty. And Sort of piggybacking on what you had said, talking about s- s- as a as a teenager uh, seeing girls, and uh, yeah, they're beautiful, they're pretty, they're attractive, and hormones rage. Um, but uh, when I was in grade 10, um, many, many, many years ago, I was at a party at a house. I was in the backyard, and I, I, I looked. I, I had a vantage point I could see down the side of the house to the front yard, and this girl gets out of a car and it was uh this instant i (laughs) it's like the clouds parted in this one spot and this ray of (laughs) sunshine yeah (laughs) and uh that was my my now wife but um i saw her face and i saw her full form and uh that was it she really was the most beautiful thing i had ever seen and it sounds it sounds dramatic, and it sounds uh, it sounds awesome, love struck. But it, <laughs> it, there really was a deep connecting. Like this is this is beauty. The the I couldn't even really see her fully because she was far away. But when she came into the backyard, I mean, just I was lost in her face, eyebrows, the curve of her eyebrows, the the slope of her nose, her lips, her skin, her incredible eyes, her head, everything. I was instantly, I wouldn't say I was instantly in love, um, but I thought but to myself, I, I told my friend, <laughs> I told my friend, I'm going to marry that girl. And, uh, but that was, that was beauty. That was like yeah. it. She was created for me to see th- her as the most beautiful thing in the world. Um, so that's where I connected the most with beauty.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, that's beautiful. Uh, no pun intended, no. but se- I guess semi-intended, but no, that's, that's, and it's interesting to think about like, that seems like it was a, not only something that was a pivotal moment in your life, but that was almost like a, a paradigm shift in terms of your ex- you experiencing your life, right? And it's amazing how much power beauty can have in our day-to-day lives.
1: Well, it did change my life Immediately and forever, because I, from that moment on, I pursued her, and um, you know we got married nine years later. But it took an awful lot of work to <laughs> get this guy to get her to fall in love with this. So there were uh, there were other powers at work there. That is for sure, because I don't know how I was it managed to swing that.
0: Yeah, well, and it's interesting too because I, I think about how. Beauty in the eye of the beholder implies, like, implies change in a way, in that our what the what I see as beautiful now is not necessarily what I will see as beautiful later because who I am now is different than who I will be five minutes from now, much less a year from now. And so, it's interesting to think about how our perception of beauty. Can change just as we change And so I'm It's just there's a lot lot hanging there And I'm excited to explore that with you Mm -hmm. As we get into the episode But before we dive in We have a responsibility To make sure that everyone knows What happened in the episode And so you or I Get to have the pleasure of going first For a 30 second recap But remember (laughs) whoever goes first Has the pleasure of saying Well I went first You get to make everything up So (laughs) Um it's up to you. Do you want to go first or second? We have thirty seconds to capture everything that happened in
1: the episode. Uh, I would love to hear where you go with this. All right. All I think right. mine will be gonna... a little skewed and a little biased, so I'd love to hear yours first. Oh, that's that's probably fair. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs>
0: I'm gonna put thirty seconds on the clock. Yep. And I'm gonna go in three, two, one. Okay, so Viren kills a bunch of bu- bunch of butterflies to look pretty, and then Callum plays with a new cube. And then Ez is like, oh my god, let's eat bread for clubs, and their clubs is meals. And then Rayla's like, no, we should take off this bracelet. But then she gets really scared because she hears Callum scream, and Callum zaps Rayla by accident. And then they take a boat, and then Rayla doesn't like water. But Amaya and Grin show up, and then Viren and they have a row. The trio fall down into a waterfall, and the QA session, oh my god, only have, I'm running out of time. And then, you know, Amaya get, visits Sarai's grave, and Viren manipulates her, <laughs> and then Amaya, and then oh my god, and then Rayla goes back, and then they all fight, and then the fish monster and the Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Wow. 30 seconds is not a long time. Not a long time. I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. Um, I did my best. Yeah. I missed a few things, and that gives you ample opportunity to make up for those things. We'll see what happens, though. You have 30 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? I am ready. On your mark, get set,
1: go. Okay, so Viren gets up. He needs a little uh, pick-me-up, so he goes and eats a butterfly. He feels much better. Uh, Some... Garbage stuff, stupid stuff happens with some kids in the water. Uh, who cares about them? Back to Viren. He uh, wants to go sit on the throne because, you know, Harrow is gone and uh, the Catals needs a king. And Amaya says, no, 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 no. And Viren says, you know what? Fine. If you told me, I'll do this. We go back to some stupid kids doing stupid stuff. Who knows what's going on over there? Who cares? Back to Viren. They have a little bit of fight, but then they make up and uh, everything's better. And <laughs> Wow. Yeah. 30 seconds goes <laughs> it's, by. It's hard, right?
0: Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, part of me wanted to let you just keep going. Cause I was really enjoying that recap. <laughs> A little and heavy, but that's all right. I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Considering, you know, who we're talking to. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Which, so this brings us to our, our, uh, this is the bulk of the episode, right? This is what we're talking about. We're talking about beauty and what we noticed in this episode in relation to beauty. So, uh, Tell me, like you you watched this. I've watched it. What are what are what's a moment of beauty that you noticed in this
1: episode that you want to discuss? Um. Yes. Very. Yeah. Good question. There's a couple different things. Um, First of all, it has to do with I've been a big proponent of uh, the of the process of making the show. So the writing, the voice acting, of course, uh, and the animation. So aside from in the story itself, I know a lot of people had issues with, uh, season one, the way it looked, people thought it was choppy, all that stuff aside, um, just some certain characters are just, they have such a beauty to them. Now, Maya and Grant have been my favorite characters from day one, so, you know, besides Viren, of course,
0: Yeah, but, naturally. uh,
1: stand aside from that, um just the design uh amaya's this beautiful stunning character um, and she just sort of she just she just uh power uh elegance grace just determination and 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 beauty just exude from her uh, so there's that and uh watching watching it through this lens I just saw that even more going up to the close ups yeah. and um uh- yeah, go ahead.
0: Amaya's gorgeous. Yeah. In, in 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 the sense that like her character is also very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not just talking about her the way that she looks, but just everything about her is, is beautiful. Just her I, I think last episode I was grateful for Amaya or one of the she won the MVP award, or she was I was grateful for her. But either way, total boss in the sense that like just the way that she cares for the boys, the way that she is so confident and is able to stand up to Viren and call him out on his bull droppings and yeah. the way that she's able to just be herself authentically is just a really beautiful experience for me and for list- or for watchers, I expect.
1: that's That that's, that was sort of where that beauty was coming from for me, that authenticity when they're at that statue and they're lighting candles. Mm. And Amaya and Ver- and Viren have this uh, heart-to-heart. It really is this... There's a deep connection. Um, I say that as the actor who yeah. did all my work, you know, to get to that point. Uh, people say, oh, Viren's lying. I don't I don't believe so. Uh, and I certainly didn't approach it that way. There's a true connection there between Viren and Sarai, his memories, and this connection he has with Amaya. And then she just 180s and says no I don't trust you Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought wow that is so genuine they have a really touching moment but her truth comes out and she's not afraid to say it Viren is Viren is definitely holding some truth back um but her her she's just genuine um and that's a that is a beautiful thing
0: well, and, and one of the things that I find really beautiful as well and that authenticity that we're talking about, I'm going to, if I can, I want to connect it to Callum and Ezrin. I find them to be really beautiful for the same reason. And you see this moment where Callum, these, you know, this random three group of kids are doing random things, right? Mm-hmm. But, but Callum's playing with his cube and it's, you know, he's pulling it back and forth and it's lighting up and he's just getting, you can see how excited Callum gets uh, from from watching this happen and seeing someone have fun and really just be be vulnerable and authentic is incredibly beautiful. And it makes me smile. And I know that it makes other people smile. And I think Ezrin is the same way when he's like gnawing on the bread and it's like not going anywhere and it's just happening. And it's just again, seeing someone being themselves without any reservations, I think is it's so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things that I like it makes me tear up thinking about it sure. actually because
1: it's just so powerful. We we didn't there's a lovely moment in in season 2. Mm-hmm. Um I won't go into detail of course but um where I ha- I got to have that ex- that moment with Viren and it was it's one of my favorite moments of the entire show and the entire recording mm-hmm. experience, where I got to be, where Veeran got to be himself because no one was watching. Yeah, um, and it was just exposed; it was raw, naked, and that it was a. There's a real beauty to that. A real. Um, I, I was teary-eyed working on it because it was so emotionally. I was just so emotionally connected to it, yeah. uh, but we just don't get a whole lot of those because Veeran does at times have a face on.
0: He, he does like he does he, and, it, and I think it's this, this the weight of the world is on his shoulders seemingly, right he where he's there. trying yeah. to solve the world's problems and yeah. he's trying to do it all on his own because no one else is quite bought into the same uh, mindset that he is. And it's just I, I think one of the reasons it's so so beautiful for me as I kind of just reflect on these moments is what it does is when when people are are vulnerable, when people are authentic, when people are being themselves, what it's doing is it's giving other people permission to do the same thing. And so when I watch this episode, when I watch the, these characters do these things and be themselves, what I, what I get a sense of is like, man, I want that. I want to do that too. And I like, and so I go, I'm like, I'm going to go do it. And then, you know, we start telling ourselves stories. But <laughs> um, that permission is just something that I think is really powerful.
1: Yeah, I think what I, I think in an alternate universe, if Viren had just said to Amaya, "Um, let's do what you want to do. We'll work this together. Uh, we'll we'll find the kids and we'll put put the rightful person in the throne." Um, man, what a different story we'd have, of course. Yeah, but something has happened in their past, and of course, we get a glimpse of certain things through the yes. seasons. But Viren and and Amaya've got to have more to their relationship mm-hmm. that we just don't oh, know about. There is clearly something that yeah. we're, we're not
0: aware of yet.
1: And I would love I would love to know that stuff, but I mean that's we just never will. It, maybe. Maybe maybe we will. Mm. <laughs> maybe we will. Maybe I already yeah. know and I'm not telling. I don't know. Um to see that yeah. connection cuz there's a strong strong connection. Even though there's some there's some negativity and uh, what some would say no love lost, but I I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. But yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's I find that my my experience with Viren is you know you know okay. So Viren's retort to Amaya when she's pushing him is I am a servant. Mm And that moment is just so poignant. Like, I get chills thinking about it because of just this really, you can sense the amount of pain. And I would imagine, like, shame around that line because that's what he heard from Harrow. And it's just that, the, oh, like, talk about beauty and the fact that how, how sad it is. Like, that's one of those moments.
1: <laughs> yes, I don't disagree with you. I, I do agree with that. I also I also approached it, well just read this way to me um, it was a powerful moment and Viren seized that to maybe as a form of manipulation to mm-hmm. with Amaya to, re, to reuse that in that moment with as- her that he oh, had yes. with Harrow so in the moment with Harrow I, I 100% believe that was a, a genuine moment there's love and there's hurt uh, but with Amaya, he was using it as a, a, a grandiose gesture. Um, mm. She would never know because she wasn't in the room with him and Harold. Um, but yes, it, it is a reflection of that pain that he did feel, and it's still there. Clearly, it's still there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty fascinating. That's I thought that was...
0: And I love hearing this perspective of how you came through it right. and worked through it because that's
1: something we wouldn't get otherwise. Sure. So that's really yeah, neat. exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay. What... What's another moment for you? Or I'm happy to share one of mine. What's another yeah, moment for you? Yeah, go ahead. Me? I'd love to hear yours. Okay, let's. so I'm going to venture back to this moment at the beginning, talking about somewhat of this, this, this beauty of youth, if you will. So, you know, Viren has this, you know, closet of butterflies. Mm-hmm. And they look to me to be like Zadian butterflies, or at least, you know, not normal. Or maybe they're just, you know, in a well-lit uh, cabinet. But... Hello, my rays of sunshine. He calls them, and he like he he kills this butterfly as I imagine what is a form of dark magic in order to right. uh, maintain his visage of of beauty. Um, and so it's interesting to me that beauty as a as a fuel source, like the it's certainly the life of these butterflies that are that are doing it right for the dark magic, but also something so beautiful. Like, it, it, I don't know if you've ever watched or heard of Full Metal Alchemist, but this idea of equivalent exchange comes up around, I have to sacrifice this in order to get this. And right. it just seems like this beauty exchange. But um, tell me about your thoughts on this moment. What what
1: comes up for you? Uh, well, that's a really, I love that. Uh, uh, it's not an analogy, but the, the idea of exchanging, you know, taking something so beautiful. Um and doing something so horrible with it in order to find some normalcy is just so, um, ah, it just, it, it grosses me out. It's just so, it's so yucky. It's meant to make you feel uh, awkward. Like, Ooh, I don't love that. (laughs) So if I separate myself from the whole idea of uh, the whole, the character and whatnot, just looking at it as is it, it's very off-putting of course. Um, because it's so beautifully drawn, it's so beautifully animated, and it is, yeah, it's lovely. And and then we see that moment where it's pale and gray and dead on the floor, and it once yes. was so, uh, you know, beautiful. <laughs> but you know what I find I find
0: funny. <laughs> uh, so like. Do you think he leaves them on the ground every time? Because I like—do they have a maid, and is there a maid that's just questioning, like, I, why are all these butterflies here? <laughs> like, I just... that
1: too. Are people just going to walk over that? Is he just going to step on it and just gets grounded? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they must have maids of some sort in a castle. Yeah, uh, they keep um, quiet apparently. <laughs> uh, does it turn to dust? Uh, but that's actually a legitimate question I uh, I had in the past. Do these things just? Does he suck the the complete? I mean is everything gone from this thing? It's just a shell. It just disappears. I I have a tarantula. Mm -hmm. And when when you feed it a a cricket or a a mealworm, um, it goes to town on that thing, and it turns into this little tiny husk of nothingness, and you can squish it, and it just dissipates into dust. Yeah. And I'm thinking, is this what happens when Viren pulls the... Life force or whatever it is yeah. out of those things. Again, we maybe we'll never know. It's just an interesting idea to think about. It is, oh yeah. Um, and then this is very interesting to me because I've had so many people say to me, "Viren's white pallor with the the mm-hmm. veins and the, that is his real image." Interesting. And he takes the he takes the life from these creatures to put on a front that he used to have, but now it's simply a mask. I've never looked at it that way. Mm -hmm. I've always looked at it as these things rejuvenate him and take to bring him back to normal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I've had people argue with me at cons like, no, he is now this white (laughs) horrifying creature and he uses their power to give him some makeup and that only lasts so long. So it's fascinating how people own this stuff. Interesting. Yeah. yeah,
0: so, so, so one being this is an illusion. Two oh. being, no, it is literally rejuvenating my body and, and returning me to you know right. ground zero.
1: I love the idea though of the false, the false front, the false sense of yeah. beauty. Because, Her- uh, sorry, uh, Viren's a, a handsome fellow. Um, mm-hmm. His physical features are striking, and he's got a beauty to him. But is that all fake? Because it's all been destroyed by his. Dark magic, yeah, that is fascinating to me.
0: Well, you know, that's it brings up an interesting question regarding beauty, right? It's if you, you know, have the analogy of you know makeup, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, like covering up scars or covering up. Freckles. A lot of people cover like don't like freckles. Right. I, I I find Grins freckles to be incredibly endearing. I find him gorgeous, but like it's but I also it's all it's just one of those things where like people will cover up what they perceive to be blemishes because of these again societal and cultural pressures and, and standards of beauty. Right. Because yeah. this is what. The, the money says is beautiful versus what someone else might say is beautiful. So someone might look at Viren and see the white streaks and the gaunt look and say that's more beautiful than what you're putting on, right? Right. So it's it's just interesting to think about why we make decisions around beauty. But like if you look at psychology and like there are benefits to being what are the like standard beauty right to having standard beauty because mm-hmm. you get statistically paid more, you get statistically more likely to get all the perks and benefits of random things. And so that's, you know, I didn't uh, have the article to reference immediately in my hand, but lots and lots of statistics showing that beauty does pay off.
1: There, there's a bit of a danger though, going back a little bit to, yeah you please, know, Viren looking that way and saying, well that's that does that is a there there is a beauty to that. Sure it is it is a stunning look. Um but he's paid dearly for that.
0: Yes. Um
1: that's a lot of uh abuse and misuse of dark magic and whatever else it's taken its toll on him and because of that he has um there's been violence towards other creatures to cover that um yeah. so that beauty has cost a great deal and so in that it's not i don't want to say it's wrong but it, there's there's well,
0: does it cease to be beautiful right and so like it depends on the beauties in the eye of the beholder right mm-hmm. and so like for, for it's really interesting to think about like i i pose this to our listeners and to you but like what is the cost of beauty right if yeah if we have to work for it, what are we sacrificing in order to do that? And for some people it's three hours of time in the morning preparing and making sure that we are spick and span to present ourselves to the world. And for others, it's not that. And so I, I wonder what is the cost we're losing when we choose beauty over authenticity?
1: Well, for some people it's for some folks, it's thousands of dollars to modify their faces or their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, no judgment just that's just hard facts it just oh they it don't is see People, themselves yes. uh, in that lens until something is corrected and they take whatever preca- uh, measures they have to to make that happen so if someone finds happiness in that great but what yeah. Was, yeah what was the cost well and to think about it from again from this perspective with fear and
0: it's one of those things where i i find it really fascinating to like that i imagine one of the stories Viren could be telling himself and it, it is that every time he does dark magic he's i am sacrificing a part of me right i continue to make these decisions it the burden falls on me mm-hmm. to do this i am a servant yeah i agree right and i and i think that story can perpetuate and create this narrative that Allows you to say, well, no one else is willing to sacrifice what I am in order to make this uh, country great. That's right. Right. And to me, that's one of the most humanizing things about Viren in terms of like, yes, I'm willing to sacrifice what the way that I look, the way that I am, who I am, my my life core, whatever he whatever really is being sacrificed when we do dark magic. Right. Mm -hmm. But
1: I imagine that plays a big role in the personal narrative he has. It certainly played um, a big part in how I approached him, um, because, and that goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning about uh, you know taking a closer look at uh, someone, and I yeah. think part of that is the actor. <laughs> part of it is me saying, "Hey, <laughs> guys, I put a lot of work into this, so take a look at all the layers." before you yeah. judge him. Go ahead and judge <laughs> Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Take a look at what we've what I've done here. <laughs> and that just doesn't happen and that's fine, but uh yes, I 100% agree with you. It's it's a bit of a it's tunnel vision mm-hmm. where he says only I can do this. There's a genuine real human um ness, humanness behind that, but there's some serious ignorance and um Disassociation with the rest of the world and people trying to help him, and logic in a lot of these places, and uh, when it comes down to it, sometimes uh, morality. So, because yeah. he makes some, yeah, it's good. That's a good observation, Ben. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> so, uh,
0: I have two more. Do you? I, I, I. Do you want me to go next, or do you have one that you Please want to talk go. about? Please go ahead. So, I want to go back to Amaya mm-hmm. at Sarai's grave, and. I really want to talk about just the beauty of, of sign language here oh, yeah. and just the, to me, sign language feels like a way more vulnerable way of communicating because mm. the way like just in, this is like drawn like I'm blown away that like <laughs> I'm thinking about it like this way when it's drawn this way, but she signs with such emotion and there's so much going on there. Like, it just really strikes me how beautiful it is to, to like in, in a way act out what you are also trying to communicate. Yeah. Um, like putting it, putting it's almost communication through, through dance, through motion is really powerful. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? I don't know if the, you picked up or if that was something you noticed or not. This
1: was one of my thing. This is one of my points. So I'm okay, glad you cool. said it. Cause, um, I had the great pleasure of getting to know the animators and Mm -hmm. specifically uh, some of the people who worked on these particular shots and the amount of work and research that that they put into getting that just right. But not just that. There's almost nothing in this show that gets me as excited as this, the idea of the sign language and the interpreter and a third party uh, speaker. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it, the way they've the work they put into it if you watch um someone who is deaf and uh, speaks sign and they have an interpreter or, or they don't um but they're conversing with someone who does not sign that that idea of people turn turning our heads when we're talking they've got to read our lips um just that back and forth of, of Gren signing for her and her watching his hands, and then she looks at Viren's lips, and sometimes Gren stops because he is so in tune to what she's observing. Yeah. He knows that her eyes are quickly looking at Viren's lips. Viren turns his head, her eyes go immediately back to Gren, who gets it, you know, starts signing. Uh, that is so incredibly unique, uh, not unique, um, genuine. Yes, if you watch people in real life do that, it's. I can barely hear what people are saying to me sometimes yeah. let alone <laughs> watching lips and right that that language is uh so just that genuineness between those three three people two signing one listening to watching lips yeah uh it's uh it's so incredible the way they put that together it and yeah from what I've read and heard from the deaf community or deaf people it it's legit. It works, and it looks they they find it uh, um, that it's it's good. That's a terrible way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. It's right. It's it's correct. yeah.
0: No, I, I love that. I, I just the whole moment there of watching that, and it, it's I love they didn't put subtitles Me up too. there for like I, I love it because it forces people to go and do the research, and it forces people to pay attention and to like oh I, I like. That I think so many, so fewer people, I said that poorly, but a lot less people would care if the subtitles were there. Yeah, and I, I think that forcing people to 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 make that extra step really has done a great deal of of help to uh, at least awareness.
1: Yeah, because you go um, on Reddit and you've got people who say, "Oh, this is I'm yeah. deaf," and this is what they said, and it it was exactly correct, and then that spreads. So yeah. that's very oh, it's, cool. It's, it's awesome.
0: And then the other thing just in that moment is the beauty between the beauty of the trust between Amaya and Grin. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, like, that's mind blowing. It's yeah. fascinating to me how in sync they are and yeah. how much trust they would have had to have built up over I don't know how long. But like, it's really I thought that was also worth noting in terms of for beauty
1: for me. It's a strong, strong, stable relationship. We don't see any... We don't see any cracks in that. Uh, and sure, I'm sure are, they're human beings, so of course there would be. Yeah. At some point, they you know, somebody's grumpy in the morning, probably Amaya. <laughs> um, you know, Grant, yeah, I don't Grant's, think I've ever seen grin before. <laughs> no. He would have to be at some point because he's a human being. Um, but yeah, you don't see that. We don't see that... Uh, even in their private, although we don't, I don't know if we see them privately uh, by themselves at all. Maybe we do, but uh, yeah, they, that's a that is a, such a strong, stable relationship. Yeah, um, yeah, they're my yeah. favorites in that show. No, I, I keep on coming back to how much I
0: appreciate them, so I totally get it. Um, okay, you have another
1: before I move on to my last point. That was my that was my other. Okay. The idea All right, well, then I have of, yeah. one more
0: for us. Let's yeah, see ahead. what happens. So, moving on to this moment with Viren, where uh, y- you had mentioned this was a, a true moment of, of genuine communication and, and back and forth between Amaya and Viren. And to me, it was a masterful manipulation of Amaya here. <laughs> to, like, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. Like, yes. it just, it was, it, it seemed like a true masterclass on, and and it may not have been his intention at first, but his, like to me, it felt like his intention was, this is the most generous assumption, right? The most generous assumption I can make is that he wanted to get close to Amaya, right? And he wanted to use that. And I think that what made it so masterclass, so masterful was that it was real Mm -hmm. and it was genuine but I also think underneath it was his end goal. That's that's my interpretation, right? And so my my, my point around beauty here is this, this through line of him maintaining control, he gets Amaya, he like he gets Amaya back to the breach, he pledges his own children, he puts them on the line, even though he knows that he's <laughs> said he sent them to kill the princes. Even with that, she still suspects, but so she assigns Grin, right? Mm-hmm. And Grin's gonna be in charge. And I think this moment where just watching that plan go through was what a beautiful like and, and I say that in like the beautiful but terrible sure. kind of a way yeah. of how articulate that was.
1: Yeah. All right, so I'm I'm ready for for the response now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did I did start off by saying that's a genuine honest exchange um but I'd be completely lying and or kidding myself to to say that there was not a, an ulterior motive or there was an endgame or a, a part of the plan. Of course there was. Um and you said it very very eloquently. Yes. Thank you. I tried to I tried to be tactful. Yeah. He, yeah, I mean, he's You know, I don't want to I never want to give away too much of of my own thought because I'm in the I'm in the position where I get to take the writer's words and I get to create that in the moment. Yeah. And so I have my ideas and I can talk to the writers and say, What's going on here? And often they said, What do you want? It what do you want to be going on? (laughs) We have our we have our own results we want to get to. Yeah. How we get to them, what are your thoughts? So, I have my own, so those are mine to not share necessarily because I've already done that in the work, mm-hmm. and then it's up to the listener or watcher to go, Oh, I think he's doing this. So, your gotcha. observation is wonderful and pretty spot on with how I approached it. I mean, he, I had to have it, couldn't just be mustache twirling, you know, fingers, yeah, yeah, oh, my plan is coming together. <laughs> there had to be some sort of connection because they they've truly had one somewhere and st- mm-hmm. still do. But like we said earlier, she knows. Yeah. She knows Viren. So she knows something is up. So her plan is I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to put Gren in charge because I have to go back. So your plan's not going to. Little does she know, perhaps that that was part of his plan. Uh, and if it isn't, he can easily counter by, you know, throwing Grin in the dungeon. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right on the money yeah. there. Yeah. And we didn't even, yeah, that's, ugh.
0: And just, like, the, when she says to Grin, I trust you. Mm-hmm. You have been my voice. Now I need you to be my will and save the boys.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> 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 like, it's just
0: so real. And I just find it. This this whole episode, each episode of this series is just a uh, twenty minutes chock full of layer upon
1: layer. It's yeah. talk about a beautiful series, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's there's issues here and there, and uh, nothing's perfect, of course. But uh, the, there's so much. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good stuff in these. I say that yeah. just generically, of so course. Much. But,
0: Okay, so we're going to take a short break and we're going to let you have a nice little musical interlude and we will be back shortly with our Lens MVP and some gratitude and we'll see what else. We'll see what happens. All right, see you in a minute. And welcome back to this wonderful final couple of segments that we have for you. Uh, Jason's still with us and I'm excited because uh, Jason has some experience with um, some of the things that we've done in our other side of the podcast and so as y'all may or may not remember I'm currently in Divinity School and going through a bunch of conversations around spirituality and one of the things that we practice on the other uh, main episodes of our podcast is we do spiritual practices every now and then with the episodes we watch. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of incorporate one into this episode, and it's called Lectio Divina, which translates to divine reading. And what we're doing is we're choosing a sentence and... We're going to kind of analyze that sentence on four different levels. And we're kind of kind of walk us through those together. So Jason, thank you for joining me in this exercise. Sure. Um, the sentence that we're going to kind of take apart and look at is this sentence that we talked about with Amaya. And so this is what she says. Now I need you to be my will and save the boys. So I'm going to read that one more time. Now I need you to be my will and save the boys. So this first level is the easiest one. <laughs> it's what is literally happening in this scene? What is the literal meaning of this sentence? Um, and I'm going to let you kind of take a stab at it. And if we need help, we can work on it together. What do you think?
1: Um, well, she, she cannot be there to do this job that she wants to do. She's so connected with because they're her nephews um, and they're her, her heart. She has a, very deep connection with emotionally and physically with the boys, but she can't be there. She has um, responsibilities that are greater, meaning they deal with the entire kingdom. Yeah. Um, And because she has such a strong, I mean, Gren is her, is her, not her right hand man. He's her right hand. She yeah. He is part of her. <laughs> Um, So she trusts him implicitly and she is um, tasking him with the job to save her family. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's as easy
0: as it is. So level one is just kind of getting us situated in what's literally happening with this. And so we're going to escalate this, climb up this ladder, if you will, each of these four steps is climbing up a ladder to like this divine, if you will. Uh, and sure. so that's the, that's the goal, right? So, Step two is, what is the allegorical meaning? So in in terms of the series and the content that's in the series, what does this sentence remind us of in the rest of the series? Oh. And so I'm going to read it one more time. Now I need you to be my will and save the boys. And I have one that comes up mm-hmm. pretty quickly for me. And it's, it, since we're in a conversation with near Viren, right? It's the opposite, if you will, of Viren's, like talking to soren and claudia i need you to be my will and kill the boys while i do that and so that really kind of juxtaposes that in a way which i find fascinating um what about you does anything
1: else what other allegorical moments does this sentence lift up for you wow i don't know if any other uh is as powerful as that that's i didn't i didn't think of that that's it's the it's the it's the darkness to the light or vice versa. Yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a yin and yang kind of a deal. Um, uh, <sighs> it's amazing how a cartoon can, uh, we can dive so deeply into it and it can affect us so. Um, Isn't it cool? <laughs> yeah. And I've had lots of these moments throughout, but uh, I, I've never seen that juxtaposition before. So. Huh. Amaya, Neither had I, but that's Amaya the cool. and Gren and Viren and his kids um, save those kids because it means everything to me. Kill them if you have to because it means everything for yeah the the kingdom. Um, and it's a me. really neat, really wow. neat moment. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna read it one more time.
0: So now I need you to be my will and save the boys are there any other moments of where someone has to be someone's will or we have to save the boys or save anyone? I think of just Rayla, like being like the constant hero, (laughs) having to right, Even that brief Um, moment
1: of jumping into save bait.
0: Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: Doing, doing what's right. Um, Leaving her own thought process, her own feelings behind and going, well, I've got to do this.
0: It's also interesting because it reminds me of kind of Harrow saying, sending his letter to Amaya saying, I need you to be the one who takes care of the boys at the Banther Lodge. Yeah, that was right. My,
1: yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: There's there's just a lot of like, I need you to do this for me to save them because I can't. Right? There's this a lot of like transition of power that happens. It feels
1: like it, it, that I'm noticing. Um, yeah. And what and a, I, just what a, what a responsibility. Although... But is it, though? I mean, it, it, was it taxing for for Harrow to write that to her? Because, you know, he's the king and he should be able to take care of them? Or was it taxing for her to receive that? Or is it just another thing? You know, oh, well, I'm their aunt. I can take care of them. Or In was a way, the... I
0: wonder, for me, like when I, when like I, I talked about this on a previous episode, but being able to rely on someone is a form of letting them closer to you. It's a form of intimacy. Yeah, And I feel like, being relied on is something that I cherish. Like I want people to lean on me and I want people to use, use my shoulder to cry on. Right.
1: And here we come to Viren. Yeah, exactly. Saying to Harrow so many times, trust me, I can do this. It's going to take dark magic, but I can do this. Just trust me. And Harrow saying, I have trusted you in the past. And then we come to this, this loggerheads where, um, you know, stuff, it just doesn't go like it used to. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's it right there. Those two guys spending their lives trusting each other and
0: like brothers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like we've, we've, had, we've tackled step two. So that was the allegorical meaning. And so we're climbing this metaphorical ladder. We've done the literal meaning, step two, the allegorical meaning. Step three is the, the meaning. How does this translate to our, our own lives? And so as I read this sentence, what does this remind you of in your life based off of our conversations so far and based off of what you hear? So here's the quote. Now I need you to be my will and save the boys
1: well as a father of um two teenagers um uh, you know i've gone through the years of discipline and teaching and they're still teaching there always will be Uh, and they start to teach me and there will still be discipline it just changes Um, but there's also this very strong we're now in this stage where um we talk a lot about responsibility and integrity and Mm -hmm. making these choices because I can't be there to make them for you. You need to maintain your integrity. You need to make responsible, respectful choices. And sometimes that goes against the status quo, but that's Mm -hmm. what I want you to do. And that's what I want from you. And you know, through our conversations that that is what is right. That's what makes you a better person. So I have those conversations with my kids and it is, when you go out there, do what I would do.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's fascinating. No, it really is. To, to think about the the concept of my will for you is to live into the values that I have been instilling into mm. you for so long, right? And so for you to live into that will save you <laughs> is partly a like, wow, the hubris, but also, right. wow, like this is, this is truly what I believe in and truly what – I think will help you live your best life.
1: So not like, you know, yeah, to be clear, it's not, and I don't think you misunderstood me, but to be clear, it's not me saying do what I do because what I do is yeah. right. <laughs> um, it's I make mistakes all the time and I'm yeah. every day apologizing to my children for something. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for and that's beautiful the gift the of ability to apologize to our children. right? <laughs> but to, for me to say, go out and do right. Yeah. Because I strive to do that every day and I fail and I, as long as my children see me doing that, striving to be honest and have yeah. integrity and be responsible and respectful, that's all I can ask for. They will go and they will make their own choices. They will make their mm-hmm. own mistakes. And I want them to embrace that. And I have to embrace that. I don't... I want to keep them close to me for the rest of their lives. Yeah. But we can't do that. <laughs> so I want to experience... I want them to experience life, but uh, you know, try and... Try and be as good a person you can, and that sounds so generic, yeah. but it really does mean a whole lot when you look at it's, the layers of that.
0: Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. So I worked with teenagers for a little over 10 years, and I find it really fascinating to think about this, this conversation. Like, now I need you to be my will and save the boys, like... In this this concept of delegation comes up in every organization, and like we need to be able to delegate. We need to be able to delegate well because why? If I can do it then that's great, but it's preventing me from doing other things. But if I can help you do it, that's going to open me up to do other things, and it's going to teach you to do that better. That's right. And so, at what point do we release that responsibility and start letting, saying, I'm handing this to you now, because it is this is for you to grow and learn with now. And... Because, and I think that that ultimately is what helps all of us grow and learn. And it's an element of, of leadership that I think is imperative is being able to let go of things and say, this is free. This is, I trust you. And that's what that isn't that what Amaya says? Yes, she says, I trust you. You have been my voice. Now I need you to be my will and save the boys. And so like it's almost like this element of trust is necessary in order to delegate and, and to offer. And so I think about with, with you and with your kids and with me working with teens, it's that relationship building over time is so imperative for us to then delegate and to say, "Hey, you've built up this trust. Now I'm I'm handing you to I'm giving you to the world to to start making your own mistakes." Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow.
1: Okay. But <laughs> what what, what, a, what just really quickly on Amaya and Gran, What a, and for anyone who is uh deaf and has and signs and has a translator, yeah, it's that that is just implicit 100% trust that they are saying what you have asked them to say. Yeah. Um wow, it's so powerful cuz one wrong yeah. word or you know they, they they it's totally different. It's the telephone yeah. game all of a sudden. Exactly. So well, wow, that, that's a great responsibility. Wow. Oh man. Okay. All right, so That
0: was step three. Level three, we're climbing this ladder. Theoretically, we have reached the fourth step. And so the the concept here is there's two ways you can take it. What is one, what is your takeaway? What's the the learning that you're walking away with from this conversation? Like what's an action step you're going to take because of this conversation? Another way you could take it is if you were going to teach someone else a lesson. And it might be uh, another way to phrase that is if you were to deliver a sermon on this sentence, what would your sermon be about? Hmm. And so it's either that or just an action that you want to walk away with. And so I'm going to leave, you can take it that either direction. And so what, what are your thoughts? I'll read it one more time. Now I need you to be my
1: will and save the boys. Wow. uh, That is deep. That, that's, something I have to, that's something I have to think about for a moment. That's okay. Um, yeah. I guess it it, it it still comes back to me. Uh, it, it's I still have a connection with my own life and uh, my children, but bef- before children, my own father and my life as a child and, and growing up um, that I was also, I was also given those responsibilities by my dad. Um, and my dad, like any human had failures and failed in front of my eyes. And I saw that those things that I was supposed to do or supposed to be didn't change. Um, you know, I just noticed, or I saw, I grew up going, Oh, my dad isn't perfect. He does make yeah. those mistakes, but The lessons he tried to teach me, however different it may have been from the way I teach my own children, uh, were still the same. And so I needed to go out into the world and uh, try and live that way and fulfill those uh, that he, you know, not demanded, but uh, insisted. You need to live this way to be a a right, uh, to be a good person in society. Mm I don't know if that's anywhere near what you were saying what you're asking for. Um, if you have a, I'd love to hear what you have think, to say on this. So. I, I think that one of the beauties of
0: doing an exercise like this is that it's open for interpretation. It's not something that's hard and fast. Sure. <laughs> and so it, I think that's the, the fact that you're walking away with that revelation, I think is really powerful. And I think that's really, really Im- impressive to be able to take a sentence from the dragon prince and get to that. And so I think that's really beautiful. For for me, I I think what I'm realizing by having this conversation is that I am I want more people that I have a relationship with like this that I can say I need you to be my will and I want that I could rely on enough to say I need you to to raise my children. Like, who is the godparent of if my would-be children, right. right? And like, like you know what I mean? Like, so how am I, I think my walking away action step or something to think about is how am I going to cultivate closer, more intimate relationships with the people with that I'm close with? Yeah, that's excellent. Um, and so that's the question I think I'm walking away with. So again, just to kind of recap for our listeners, this was a, the exercise called Lectio Divina, which is a a spiritual reading or a divine reading. And uh, this is historically practiced with like Christian texts and has been gone, gone back way back when. Um, And there's a, there's a lot of books on this. And so if you're curious, I recommend checking it out, but uh, it can be done with anything. Obviously we've just done it with the dragon prince and, If you like that conversation, there's a lot of other spiritual practices that we've incorporated in our our show that kind of help us learn more about these shows that we're watching and help us watch it more intentionally. And that brings us to the Lens MVP. So you know what this means, (laughs) but... Let me remind it for just our for our listeners who might be tuning in just to hear you talk, right? (laughs) Uh, The lens MVP is this is the award we are nominating uh, that is the person who has exemplified the lens the best. And that can be in a multiple of ways. It could be this person is the most beautiful, and I think they're the most beautiful. My perception of this character is that they're the most beautiful. Or this person has the most beautiful personality. Or this person makes the most beautiful thing. Literally, it's up to you for how you nominate, but you just need to give us a short description. So, Jason, uh, who is your nomination for the MVP of beauty for Uh, this episode?
1: Yeah, my MVP nomination would be uh, Amaya. Good choice. Ah, Thank you. (laughs) As I'd stated earlier, I find her to be um, a a stunning, uh, physically a stunning beauty. Uh, She, they, just, I mean, she's a drawing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, they've captured so much, so much beauty in that drawing. And then her, her outlook on life, her attitude, her stance, her beliefs. Um, those all come through very crystal clear. she she keeps things guarded uh, mm-hmm. because that's part of her job. Um, she has to um, compartmentalize and organize and having given the job that she has. Uh, but at the same time, um, she shows great love for for her nephews, for her sister, um, her brother-in-law, And she is not afraid to speak truth into mm. any situation. So, she has a, a moment with Viren where they discuss old times. They have a laugh, and I think it's genuine. It's a nice, nice moment. Yeah, um, remembering Sarai and how how strong she was. But she makes no qualms, and she has, she has no problem, putting Viren in his place and telling him the hard, the cold hard facts, um, of what she believes. And, um, not only that, she flexes on him really hard. Right. He's like, I, I will task my own children too. And she says, Nope, that's going to be Gren. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's gone. Um, yeah. So really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I admire that so much, uh, in the writing and, um, I just love that strong character. Uh, yeah, she's um, she's my MVP. That's, I love it. Yeah. So that's a pretty strong
0: nomination. I'm just saying, like, it might be hard. I'm going <laughs> to nominate someone, but and I'm going to try and compete, but right, I guess our listeners are going to have to decide which one they're picking, or they're going to submit their own. We'll see. Um, remember, you can submit a Lens MVP if you want to record a voice memo and send it in. We will put it on an oh, episode. Great. That's cool. Um yeah, so send it in to the at gmail.com and we will uh, play it for you. But for now, it's my turn. So I'm going to suggest someone we're going to see. We all are going to let us know which one you prefer. So my nomination is Grin. And here's why. There's, there's a lot of moments. And I just... The moment when Amaya says, no, Grin is going to be in charge. And then he's like, Beaming with pride. No, it's me. I, oh, that's me. I'm gonna and like just the, that. Just the lift of his expression and his change from being Amaya's voice to being himself is. I just get I get chills thinking about it. Like it's just really beautiful. And y'all, I'm also a sucker for freckles. I love. hey I think he is visibly attractive. Just yeah. as you see, Amaya is attractive. It's just. It's really amazing to think about how these characters are so, and I, and I think part of that is just his personality. He's so positive and joyful. And I find that to be like submitting beauty to the world and offering it just with arms wide open. I just, I just find grin to be really uh, full of beauty. And so that's, that's my lens MVP nomination. Uh, you've heard, nomination. you've heard Jason's for Amaya. So let us know, keep us posted and we will keep you posted. If, if you, uh, if anyone submits anything, we'll let you know. Can I say one thing? Yeah,
1: please. Uh, not to, you know, speak against my potential votes, but this might sway people. <laughs> um, Adrian Petru, who who, who voices Gren, is, uh, he's one of the funniest guys I know. He's so sarcastic. He's so witty. If you follow him on Twitter uh, or Instagram, you, you would see that. But to be in the studio with him when he's working, he is Commander Gren. He... I love it. Watching him deliver that line, he's got the biggest smile. He's like, "Oh, that's me. I'm Commander Gren." <laughs> and going, <laughs> "Yes, you are him." He, it was so it was so wonderful. He just that is he was he's perfect casting and he represents both those characters. Yeah. Um, he does. Just the voice of the one, but that voice does so much and he represents both those characters um so i'm just a shout out to adrian cuz uh, that it. positivity and that that you love in gren that that was animated around his and he did a phenomenal performance. job <laughs> yeah it's yeah he's wonderful
0: uh, uh, uh that also reminds me he's also the narrator for the audiobook um, yes. For Moon, yep. uh, just for for people, FYI, I don't know if people are aware that that exists. It's super neat. I'm in the middle of reading it, and I love it so far. So yeah, his Viren really cool. is
1: Okay, <laughs> but he's a good, he's a great narrator. I can
0: hear echoes of your voice when he's talking. And good, it's interesting. I'm, I'm like, oh, that's, he tried to say it like you did. I yeah. was like, no. yeah. um, his grin's spot on though. Um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> he's worked on it. Uh, okay. Which, so this is our final segment, y'all. I know it's like, we're, we're running out of time and it's sad, but we're also want to be respectful of people's time. So gratitude is the moment where we are just who in this episode are we grateful for, for whatever reason, whether they made us feel a certain way, whether, whether they taught us something, but it's, it's, it doesn't have to pertain to the lens at all. But if it does, that's cool. It's up to you. So Jason, who are you grateful for? And tell us, tell us why.
1: Well, you know, I'm on a streak here, so um, I have to go with Amaya again. Um, I love it watching, being there from day one with the script, getting to read through that. A lot of times, it's um, garbage, garbage, garbage. My line, garbage, garbage, <laughs> garbage, garbage. My line, <laughs> uh, and then sometimes you, you know, you don't process everything right away, and you do your work. Um, that's that's not the case here. Um, being able to read and perform that scene between those two scenes between Amaya and Viren and then see it again and watch it a dozen times but then look at it through uh this lens that we're looking through and also you know some this gratitude um she's so honest and forthright and she she does not suffer fools and Viren she's not she's having none of what he's what he's giving her.
0: She's not picking up what he's laying down.
1: Um, I appreciate, I appreciate that writing. The, the fact that um, they can just sort of lay bare. Mm. They can envelop it in this moment of, oh, I remember Sarai and let's light candles and it's a touching moment. But she says, let's not kid ourselves for one second here. You're a snake. I don't trust you at all. We may have shared good times, but I know you. And there is something going on. So yeah. beware, because I'm onto you. And that that is a serious thing because she she's the person you do not want onto you. No. Nah. <laughs> <'Cause> she, she, <laughs> she can take care of business. Um, and I uh, upon you know watching it again for like I said the twelfth time, I just had a renewed sense of uh, appreciation for her. Yeah. Because it t- kind of breaks down walls that Viren is building up, and uh, Ooh, like we that. we see through some of these cracks thanks to her. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, that was awesome. Thank you for sharing
0: that. Sure. Okay. So, I, I we didn't spend much time on the drag gang, uh, but the I want to talk about Rayla for my gratitude. Um, for for me being being scared of something is is hard already. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then being forced down a waterfall when you're scared of water. And then there's this moment where she gets on land and she is just like kissing the ground <laughs> and she is so <laughs> grateful to be back on land. She yep. looks back and then she realizes she has to get back in the water in order to save bait and save the boys and just make sure everything's okay. And like she she hesitates like she's like I don't want to do this but what I'm grateful for is that she does yeah and she she makes that move to jump back in and to tackle this giant fish monster in a body of water that she's already scared of and I, I think that courage to be able to face something that we're scared of is really admirable sure and I'm really grateful for her her modeling that for us.
1: She does it economically as well. She doesn't just dive into the water. She climbs the tree. She jumps off the branch onto a log,
0: (laughs) avoiding as much water as she can. it for as long as possible.
1: Yeah. So I'm with you on that.
0: Oh, man. Okay. What does she say?
1: What does she say to to save a a frog that doesn't even like her? Yeah. she says (laughs) something like that? (laughs) Something like that. I didn't write it down. (laughs) That's just genuine heart.
0: Yeah, it is, and it's just—it really models just how much she's grown to care for the boys and for Bate already. And I think a lot yeah. of that has to do with how Callum was like building this this beautiful conversation. I can't believe we didn't talk about this, but this beautiful conversation between Callum and Rayla, where he's asking her questions and trying to make her feel more comfortable. It's just, yeah, oh, it's so there's so much, and we could talk forever. But I, I—that's I a big one. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Y'all, this brings us to a close. But before we go, Jason, I, I don't know if you want to share. Uh, not everybody does. But mm. do you? if people want to contact you in any way, if people want to find you, if people want to follow you, how do you want them to find you and follow you?
1: Sure. I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my personal mobile number is... Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Instagram, I am at Simpstagrams. And I'm very clever. Thank you. And yeah, on, on Twitter, uh, it is at symbol at a boy Simpson at a boy Simpson. Oh, so, I get it. I like yeah. it.
0: Okay. So you can follow Jason there and remember you can follow us uh, at BNB underscore pod. And we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the things. And, um, we also have a Patreon if you want to support us and help us continue to make episodes like this. That would be really cool. Yeah. We also have uh, bonus content. We um, have a lot of cool things that happen on our Patreon, a Facebook group where you can talk about the episodes and suggest lenses for future episodes, etc. So uh, thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon. Thank you to the V for hosting the podcast. I want to thank Alex Mayfield, my co-host. I want to thank Noah Blanchard, our executive producer, Kira Martin, our social media coordinator, and Max Gongaware our producer and thank you everyone for listening and until next time be well and do good
1: peace